welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is December 2nd, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, and I am thrilled to be joined once again on the Defender Podcast by a dear brother, friend, and incredible pastor and leader, Brad Evangelista. And Brad is the lead pastor at Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. And he and Jennifer have four children, uh, two of which are still in the home and two boys who have graduated high school. And just a couple of weeks ago, actually one who he married off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So grateful for Brad and for his partnership in the gospel but also Crosspoint and the Evangelista family have just been huge partners with Unadopted in Uganda. Uh, Crosspoint has wrapped around King Jesus Church there in Uganda in such a fresh way and just love that partnership that we're able to have with them as the church encourages a church in Uganda um, and his lifeline is able to partner really with both of them to help them uh, care for orphans and multiple children. And today, I just wanted to bring Brad on as we are getting into the month of December, the end of the year, and we really want to talk about giving and what is our response as God's children, God's believers to give. And and because of the country we live in and tax years, December tends to be one of the more generous months because of tax time. We really want to talk about a biblical mandate to give and not just to give in December, but to give throughout the year to what the Lord is doing around us. But before we hear from Brad, I do want to remind you of our parent coaching of service available for any parent who needs additional insight into their child's behavior. It's tailored to each family and each child. Uh, so if you are a foster or adoptive family and you are struggling at home and feel like you need some coaching or an outlet, these are 45 to 60 minute sessions filled with proven tools and techniques to use in building additional strengths in your parenting. And if you go to lifelinechild.org backslash parent coaching, you can get more information and be connected to a Lifeline staff member or click the link in our show notes. And remember at Lifeline, we truly want to see families be able to disciple the heart of their children. And it's hard to disciple the heart of your children if you're not able to reach them on a physical, mental, and spiritual and emotional level. And so we would love nothing more than come alongside of you to help you reach the heart of your child for Christ Jesus. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash parent coaching. Well, Brad, you uh, are a blessed man with a wonderful family and a wonderful wife, but God has also blessed you, my brother. I truly believe with the ability to expositorily teach God's word, to adequately present and and to just teach God's word to people. Uh, I've, I've often told other folks that you have power and conviction, but you also have the ability to take complex texts and make them really very understandable for the people you shepherd. And that's a gift. And so today, I just, I just want to ask you, what as a pastor does the Bible say about giving? Oh, well, <clears throat> brother, it's good to be on with you again. And thank you for those kind words. I love you. I love Lifeline. And I'm just grateful to talk with you again. Wow. Well, what does the Bible say about giving? I, you know, I, I think about um, generally, I think we're tempted to zero in on what does the Bible say about my obligation to give? And I think that's a good question to ask, but I think that's at the end of the line. I want to zoom out and say that I think we should think about just that I have a biblical understanding of possessions in the world. I mean, I think of Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
And so before we engage with our responsibility in giving, I think we need to just have a biblical understanding of possessions. It's all the Lord's. I think of Abraham Kuyper, that Dutch prime minister at the turn of the last century, who had that famous quote that says, there's not a square inch of the universe that Mm -hmm. the Lord Jesus doesn't rightly cry over mine. Mm -hmm. So one, I would say just knowing that everything is the Lord's. Secondly, I think we then know that from that flows this truth that the Lord doesn't need anything. He doesn't need my generosity. He doesn't need our giving. Uh, But yet we need to give. God has arranged. He's created us. He's ordered the universe in this way that although he doesn't, he owns everything. He doesn't need anything from us. He invites us to be part of the means by which he actually accomplishes his sovereign will. And so then now we can start to discuss what does the Bible say specifically to us about our responsibility to give? And, and I think we see throughout the Old Testament and then in the New Testament and the New Covenant, this idea that God, not out of need, but out of this kindness that the Lord invites his people as image bearers to be stewards over his creation, to be part of and This is spectacular to think about, to be the means of grace by which he accomplishes what he has promised to accomplish. I mean, mm. think about, let's think about one of the scriptures that captivates me most is John 6, where Jesus says, all that the Father has given me will come to me. There's a definitiveness about the mission of Jesus. Mm. I mean, Jesus doesn't need us to gather in all that the Father has given him. Mm. But practically, how does that gathering in work? How does the growth of the kingdom of God work? Well, Jesus doesn't snap his fingers. He works through the decades and through the centuries of people that he has made alive by the power of the gospel who see the beauty of the gospel and then are compelled because they understand that everything is the Lord's to give back to the Lord, not out of obligation, not out of duty, but out of obedient worship to the Lord. And so I think that's where we ultimately need to land with giving. Giving is the great privilege a component of the great privilege that we have to be part of the means of grace by which the sovereign God brings about his preordained ends for his glory in all the earth. And what a, what a joy, what a joy that is. You know, if I can frame it in that way, then it moves me way beyond this kind of legalistic, Oh, this is what I need to do to please the Lord. Um, you know, very few people can stay motivated with that, with that as their backdrop. But when you see, wow, Uh, It's all the Lord's. He doesn't need me, but he has rescued me and he's invited me to be part of this mission. And he's fastened his sovereignty to my response. Mm. That's stunning. Mm. And so that, I think that, that, that's where I want to start with when I think about, and then we, you know, when I think of just the new Testament, I think about, you know, giving to those in need, giving generously, sacrificially, cheerfully. I think, I think it's instantly, I go to second Corinthians chapter eight and nine. And I see the people of God just giving. And even the, the, the people that Paul is commending in that chapter were extremely poor, he said. And yet they exceeded in their generosity. Mm. And so um, that's where I would go when I'm just kind of thinking about a 30,000-foot overview of what the Bible says about giving. Yeah, and I think you you touched it. And even I love that passage in Second Corinthians 8 and 9 that yeah. in Thessalonica, the Macedonians, they yeah. were— 
they were impoverished, but they had joy in their giving. Yes. And, uh, you know, when we give out of a cheerful heart, there's joy, not compulsion. Yeah. And I, I think uh, even as you're talking, I couldn't help but thinking of Acts 2 and Acts 4. Yes. yes. As hearing of the gospel, you know, the believers, these new believers, they just had this joy to share with one another and to meet each other's needs Yeah. Uh, in such a powerful way. And, and that's what... I know as a pastor and as a ministry leader, we love to see the mm. joy of people when they get to give, not, not compulsionary, not because you twisted their arm or because they feel like it's something they have to do, but because mm-hmm. it's something that they are participating in, in worship mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. to God. And I love the way you said it. We are sovereignly connected to God's plan mm-hmm. as he compels us to give mm-hmm. um, as a, as a pastor, you have shepherded your church and and I've watched you shepherd your church uh, in giving of their time and their talent and their treasure. And specifically cross point has been known as a church that does care for the marginalized, that cares for the orphan and the vulnerable. Uh, how, how have you seen your church get involved in giving and not just of their resources, but also their time and their talent and their treasure to serve those less fortunate. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I've been reflecting on just that, that question and I, it's really been organic. You know, we, we have, and I don't want to be overly simplistic, but we haven't really had a particular strategy or a plan. We've just wanted to preach the scriptures and zero in on the gospel and really strive to make the life of our church clinging to the gospel and all of its implications. And certainly the imperative of the gospel, one of the imperatives of the gospel is giving your life away to the one who has given his life for you. I mean, it's back to second Corinthians eight, where, where uh, the, Paul says this to the, to the Corinthians. He says, for, you know, the grace of this is second Corinthians eight, verse nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Well, we know he's not referring to physical possessions there. It's this, he's, he's spiritually giving himself. And so, if now I am to, as I'm a recipient of the grace that God has given me, now to be a conduit of this grace, when you just decide as a church family to make that the heartbeat of your church. It spills over into every area of your life. And so how has it worked itself out in generosity? We've, we've not made any specific application. Just God and his sovereignty has put people in our pathway. You, Lifeline, he brought a few members to our church who were adopting, who were connected to Lifeline. That just organically developed a relationship. And then we ended up meeting several partners internationally and and that developed a relationship and and just the gospel imperative of modeling the generosity of Christ should overflow in every area of a Christian and a church's life. So for one church, it might be a particular ministry that God has sort of brought into your path. And so run with it, you know, and for us, it just kind of seemed to be in God's providence. He brought a bunch of families that were interested in adoption in our path and that connected us to you guys. And then it connected us to Uganda and a few Mm -hmm. other places. And that's it. We just, 
just as a response to what like we felt the gospel was calling us to do, we did. Mm. And so uh, I just chalked that up to God's sovereign providence. He wanted our church to be involved in this particular ministry. Mm. And we haven't said, okay, guys, let's do this. It's just people, I think, just under the unction of the Holy Spirit started to act on mm. what they saw as the implications of the gospel in their life and, and people just start doing stuff. And so I wish, I wish in my, you know, uh, my ego, I could say, well, Herbie, I had a wonderful leadership strategy. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know, man. I just kind of try and open up my Bible every Sunday and explain it. And everybody else here does a really good job of that too. And then just, you know, people respond and God's been kind mm. to bring organic opportunities. So I, I don't know if that's giving you the, any specifics. I don't know if that's helpful, but um, it's really just been a kind of, organic, mm. unorganized, sovereignly orchestrated response mm. um, over the years, and God's born fruit from it. Yeah, but brother, I mean, at the same time, isn't that what God calls us to do, is to have yeah. live open-handed lives yeah. of yeah. generosity, yeah. not with some slick plans or PowerPoint presentations, yeah. but with the ability to go forth and to really follow his lead where yeah. he leads us and takes us. Yeah. And, yeah. and brother, I've, I've seen you through your leadership with your people go around with, with, with open hands and open hearts yeah. uh, to be used. And, you know, I, I know that even as we talk about this partnership in Uganda, it really started with the student ministry Yeah, mm-hmm. traveling and serving mm-hmm. uh, you got to travel with your kids to go to yeah. Uganda and, the next thing you know, there's this beautiful friendship and brotherhood with Pastor Raphael Kajubi yeah. that, that I think you and I have something with him that not a lot of people really have with yeah. other human beings. And that yeah. is just a kinship and a, yes. and, a, and, a, and a connectedness through the spirit that is, that is unique. Um, yeah. And I have, seen, I have seen that brother encourage you and I've seen you encourage that brother. And I've seen your church also just fall in line with generosity towards, especially mm. King Jesus Church and to the Kajubi family. And then for Raphael to come to Cross Point there in Columbus and to preach mm-hmm. and to watch the line of people that line up to yeah. just with joy, know that this yeah. is a pastor that they're able to participate with. So yeah. just talk about some of the sweetness and the evidences of that partnership with King Jesus church in Uganda. Yeah. Boy, there's so many. I mean, I could spend so much time talking about just how the Lord, again, as you mentioned, just sort of sweetly and sovereignly knit our hearts together. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, not to prop him up, but there are just some people that are unusually gifted in a multifaceted way. And I think Raphael is just one of those people. He is a particularly attractive personality mm. that um, that really you could put him in any setting. And before long, he will instantly gain rapport with a group of people and he'll have that group of people sort of, you know, eating out of his hand in a, in a good sort of way because he's just such a gifted personality. But even that, like, like I chalk that up to the Lord's gift, the Lord's sovereignty. And then you have a person like Raphael who's been seized by the, you know, a man of his gift sets in his culture 
to be doing what he's doing in the borough, the neighborhood that he's doing is so countercultural. And so what makes our connection with him and what is so attractive to our congregation is to see a man who is so obviously gifted to be modeling the gospel of generosity in the way that he's spending his life in Busega. And it's just, it is, it is irresistibly attractive to the people of God. They want to be around that type of Christ-likeness because we want more of Jesus. That's what God's people want. And so um, what, I, what I would attribute to our sweet relationship with, with them, and that, again, not to prop him up, but just the gift of God flowing through that man as he's modeling and then he's doing it with his church and his family, it becomes just beautifully attractive. It, 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 it becomes kindling mm-hmm. on the fire of our generosity because it's one thing to hear your local American pastor talk about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay, we got good theology. We know the gospel. Yeah, we do. But then you see it reinforced, mm-hmm. you know, in living color when that brother comes it's really powerful really beautifully biblically persuasive uh for our church and it's just been a glorious relationship you know as we started we did talk about that that typically december is is considered that season of giving and you know for a lot of folks this discernment that you even have spoken about here is something that they desire right and i I think that they want to be good stewards and they want to balance that with the joy of giving and the giving cheerfully, but they also want to be, to be steward. Well, they, they don't want to hurt someone with their giving. Yeah. Uh, they also want to make sure that, you know, the church, that a ministry, that an organization is going to steward those gifts. Well, and, and at the end of the day, you know, there's a part of us that as we give, we, we want to know it's making a difference. Yes. We trust, God and his sovereignty is going to use our generosity for his good and for his glory, but there you feel some level of responsibility. And so what is some advice that you would give to members of the church as they look for areas of ministry to serve in, to give to, to be engaged with, how would you help them not just to have joyful open hearts, but also to steward well their gifts and their talents? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I would, I would encourage people to uh, give to ministries, churches, that I think just have a biblical understanding of what the greatest need of humanity is. You know, we do not, ultimately, we want to minister to people's felt needs. All those things are important. But at the end of the day, the, those things are only means to get to the real end, which is people need the Lord uh, to clothe a man to feed a man, to comfort a man without giving him the ultimate eternal comfort, which is reconciliation in Christ is, is not to help him at all. And so I think that there are a lot of well-intended ministries out there that, um, that probably just for a variety of different reasons, just don't have the North star of the gospel and the work of redemption is Christ as, as their, as their, as their azimuth. And so I would, I would encourage people to just make sure that this organization or this church has a very biblical understanding of the gospel, of what really humanity's greatest need is. And then I think it's very legitimate to, you know, 
ask questions. Just tell me how you're using this money and, and seeing a place that's fruitful, seeing a place that isn't spending a lot of money on themselves and making their you know, buildings really big. One thing that we're just really adamant about is, look, we want to do ministry wisely in our context. We know what we need to do ministry. But we tell our church often, like the moment you see us, the moment it smells like we're making ourselves comfortable or, you know, building something for, you know, just sort of American attractional evangelicalism, question us. And if we don't have good answers, go somewhere else, you know, leave, you know, we don't need to hoard stuff. We don't need, and some churches are going to be bigger and they need bigger buildings, but they don't need all the goofiness that goes along with, you know, attracting people, you know, trying to entertain goats and make them think that they're sheep. Mm. Um, So I would just encourage people to think wisely about places that are doing gospel ministry not just um, not just sort of ministry to make Americans feel good. And I would prioritize it through organizations that really have a firm grasp on the gospel, a gospel preaching church and uh, the organizations that their gospel preaching church affiliate with. So we encourage people, for example, to give the lifeline. And one of the reasons we're so comfortable about giving, and I know you're not, this isn't about giving to any particular, but, but if you're in a gospel-centered church with a biblical eldership who have a firm grasp on these things, they can be a source of discernment and wisdom for you to vet. And the organizations that they endorse become, that's part of how God calls us to do life together, to give us elders, to give us, help us think through those things. And so, you know, uh, if you're in one of those churches, then trust what that church is involved in. If you're not in one of those churches, then maybe prayerfully consider finding one of those types of churches and, and then know that that church is going to be um, involved in healthy gospel ministry. And then, man, give generously, give generously. Um, uh, you know, the Lord, uh, I, I, was, I read this quote this, this uh, Sunday, uh, and I think it applies to a lot of, people in our church. It wasn't necessarily about physical giving, but C.S. Lewis said, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it while really it is finding its place in him. And I was challenging our people to think, you know, and again, it wasn't about giving, but so often we're so comfortable in this world and we don't think what God is giving us is really... It's just, man, I'm just becoming comfortable, comfortable. Evangelism is not my responsibility. Giving is not my responsibility. Encouraging the wayward church members is not my responsibility. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to, but no, we, you know, get, get, break out of that and give yourself away in your time, your talents, and your treasures for the sake of God's kingdom. Because in his kindness, he doesn't need you, but he's called you to be part of the means of grace by which he reaches the world. I mean, how stunning is that? Amen. So. Anyway, there's a long-winded preacher answer to your question, brother. That's oh, what but it, it led me back to the passage that we were talking about before, Second Corinthians chapter yeah. nine, and I think it it gives it gives the answer from Scripture that you just gave so eloquently there, which is He, the Lord, supplies seed to the sower and bread yeah. for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. Amen. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God, and then. Paul goes on. It's not the ministry of this service. It's not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And by their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes to your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for 
them. Amen. Uh, wow. Amen. To be a part of our giving, to be a part of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And, yeah. you know, I, I know you would agree, but I, I would encourage those who are being generous to understand that a shirt and food and warmth are needed, yes. um, but they all fall short yes. apart from the gospel of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, it's the only thing that will last. That food mm-hmm. will last only a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, that jacket may be a year. Yeah. Uh, but the gospel of Christ Jesus will last forever. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Well, as we kind of close, brother, I, I know a lot of times I meet with folks that are God has just, just blessed them with a spirit of generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth of the matter is they have limited means by which to give. And a lot mm-hmm. of times they know other believers who aren't quite as generous, but have mm-hmm. far more means to be able to give. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of times we want to, we want to steward others in the season of giving. We, we want to go to our, our, our aunt uh, that has the resources and, and encourage her to give. How would you encourage the church and God's people to really steward others in the season of giving? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would want to make it gospel centered and I would just, um, maybe by example, sometimes, you know, by example is, uh, a better way of doing it. And maybe if you, if there's that person that is on your heart that you want to encourage to give instead of sort of saying, Hey, I think you should do this and Hey, the Lord has laid on my heart to give to this, this church lifeline, this organization, whatever this person's adoption. Um, you know, would you prayerfully consider joining me? And that might be just a good way for somebody to, to say, and then, and then leave it up to the Lord. Like, let the Lord, you know, we need to be people's friends and brothers, but we don't need to be uh, little mini Holy Spirits. And so I think we need to entrust uh, by, 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 by spurring. I, I think of what you're, the picture I have in my mind is Hebrews 10, that we need to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And one way that we can help each other, the average Christian that might be listening to this, and we're all average Christians, is just saying to a person that might be on your heart, hey, this is how the Lord is leading me. Would you consider joining me in blessing this organization? This is why I think this church or Lifeline or whatever is a great place to invest this year. Um, Would you consider giving with me and letting this, letting uh, and seeing how the Lord might use our giving for his glory and the good of the kingdom? That. I think that'd be a practical way that every believer can do it. Well, amen, brother. And I'm abundantly thankful for you and for your ministry. And I would commend any listener that if you're looking for a gospel driven preaching, um, gospel uh, driven teaching uh, to look up cross point church in Columbus, Georgia uh, on any podcasting app. And uh, if you particularly uh, have always had a love for the book of Romans uh, mm-hmm. My brother, Bat, Brad Evangelista, he taught through that book several years ago, um, yeah. but I'm sure those are probably still live on the podcast. Oh, just rich, rich teaching. And so, as I'm sure you could tell here, the Lord, brother, has gifted you in so many ways to be able to teach his word. I thank you for the love of God that is infectious through you uh, and through your time today and your partnership and your brotherhood. Oh, thank you, brother. And speaking of giving... Um, is Alabama, Alabama going to give any national champion? I mean, are you guys going to let somebody else win? I mean, you've got like 17 or 18, a couple of those you claim after you lost your bowl game. So if we're, if, if we're going to talk about generosity, how about you guys be generous with the national championship this year and let somebody else win? So as 
as of course God's word shows, there's no, there's no perfect man. And so <laughs> as many people may not know, Pastor Brad is a USC fan and, uh, you know, they've been unfortunate. They, been uh, they were a powerhouse and it's been rough and, and now they're in the, the pack 10 and it's, it's tough, you know, and, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you this right now, brother. I'm pretty sure if USC were in a winning season with national champions, you wouldn't be sharing any of those either. Oh, you're right. You're, you're, <laughs> right, about, you're right about that. Oh, help us, Lord. God bless you, my brother. All right, man. Love you, brother. Love you. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.